Let's just go straight to the word. We're going to go to Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament if you're looking for it. Malachi was a prophet. He was talking to the Israelites. That's what this whole book is about. That's where we're going to pick up. Chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. Somebody say amen if they're there. Amen. Amen. You cover the altar with your tears because the Lord doesn't pay attention to your offerings anymore. And you receive no blessings from him. Why has God abandoned us, you cried? I'll tell you why. It is because the Lord has seen your treachery in divorcing your wives who have been faithful to you through the years, the companions you promised to care for and keep. You were united to your wife by the Lord. In God's wise plan, when you married, the two of you became one person in his sight. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Therefore, guard your passions. Keep faith with the wife of your youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, hates divorce. Let us pray. God, I come to you today asking for your boldness. God, the last couple weeks have been a struggle. I hate to see my brothers and sisters in pain. I don't like it. God, the first thing I want to do today is claim peace over those that are hurting. Your peace. I'm not talking about this worldly peace, God. I'm talking about your peace beyond our understanding. God, I claim that over my brothers and sisters that are hurting. God, for the last three weeks, you have put it on my heart to preach this sermon. Three weeks ago, I knew this was the direction I was supposed to go. And since then, you have continued with confirmation after confirmation. God, again, I need your boldness today. I ask in this moment that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And that you take all my pride, my anger, my doubt, my worry. God, cast it into the sea. And replace it with nothing but you, God. Your strength, your love, your peace, your joy. And God, most of all, again today, I need your boldness. I need courage to give this message exactly how you want it, God. Thank you, God. I claim that in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Sorry, guys. I know you were. I know you were. Uh, uh, it's just what everybody wants to see. Pastor up here snotting all over himself, right? Like, okay, today's title for today's message is Biblical Divorce. 
in 2020, there were 21 million marriages. Statistics have shown over the year that 50% of those marriages that just occurred will end in divorce. Statistics also show that 50% of those marriages that the spouses are staying together only because they feel like they're supposed to, not because they want to. That's pretty sad. That would be 75% of the marriages not on the right path and only 25% that are. And here's the thing, I guarantee you, that 25%, another 50% of them are just not telling you. That's a big problem today, guys. Am I right? I have no doubt that the reason why is because from the very beginning, God is not the center of that marriage. Some of them they are. Some of them they are. And then there's struggles that occur because I'm going to tell you right now, there's nowhere else that Satan wants to attack more than in your home and in your marriage. There's nowhere else. He's a divider. That's his job. He wants to divide you not only from your spouse, but your children. He wants to divide you from your friends, your peers, and your church. I need you to understand that once that occurs, you've lost the battle. You're defeated. But that doesn't mean you can't win the war. Y'all feel me? How times have changed. It's funny. Okay, I'm going to add a little humor to this so we can get past all this crying I've been doing. Okay, so times have changed so much. A, a couple years ago, there was an older lady. Those of y'all that don't know me well, I, I'm in the jewelry business, and I was in the store one day, and this older lady walked in, and she had her granddaughter with her. And uh, they, <laughs> they walk in, and she's wanting to give her granddaughter all of her old jewelry. And it's a lot of stuff, man. And it's some pretty stuff. I mean, it's some big stuff. Really, really nice stuff. Like, I'm a little upset that that lady wasn't in, in, the, in the jewelry buying age whenever I was in business, right? Like, that's who I, yeah, I needed to sell her something. So anyway, she comes in. She's got all this pretty stuff. But one of the pieces she had is her wedding ring. And she still had it on her finger. But that day, she was going to take it off. It was one of the first times she had ever taken it off. She slept in it. She bathed in it, so forth and so on. By the way, don't do that. Listen to your jeweler. You will mess the prongs up. You will lose stones, and it will cost you a... Never mind. Do that. I'll make more money. Never mind. Do that. I'll make, okay. So, so anyway, the, the granddaughter looks at the, at the grandmother as she's taking the ring off, and she says, Granna, that is one gaudy, ugly big ring. That's a big ring. She said, why did y'all wear that? And I'll never forget what that woman said. She said, because used to, it was a big deal. Used to. Those two words used to be a big deal. There's a lot of wisdom in that lady. It's a big deal. It may not be a big deal to our world, but I promise you it's a big deal to God. I promise you that. We're going to go over that today. Our country's also made it uh, very easy to get a divorce. They have this thing called a no-fault divorce. I got news for you. It's somebody's fault. No-fault divorce. What in the world? Who came up with that mess? Like, seriously. A lot of churches try to preach around divorce. They don't want to talk about it. I'll be honest with you. I know why. 
for the last three weeks, it has been hard to get my mindset right for this. But I promise you right now, I'm, I'm good. I have no doubt that the message that I'm going to get across today is the right message. But I do see why some of them fear this. But one thing that I'll promise this congregation, I will not step away from a fight. I won't do it. If he tells me to preach on something, I'm going to preach on it. And I promise you the day that I don't is the day that I don't preach again. I mean that. If a pastor won't step up and preach what God's put on his heart, you got to go. Your time has come. It's time for somebody else to step up to the pulpit and take over, and I have no problem telling y'all that. And again, you have my word. <laughs> Some of you may want to leave right now. And I'm going to tell you, after today, if you don't know what biblical divorce is, you're going to know. If you don't know right now, try word this right. If you don't know right now and you still want to keep playing games, you might want to leave because you're fixing to get the knowledge of what it's about. And that's what God's going to judge you on. He's going to judge you on what you know. He's going to judge you on your knowledge. Here's the thing, don't get up and leave because it's too late because I've already told you you're fixing to learn this stuff, so you might as well just sit there and take it. The first thing you guys need to understand about divorce is what God actually thinks about divorce. I want to go back to Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. By the way, this is the, uh, the Living Bible translation. I have to say this, Don, I'm reading from the Living Bible a lot today. Me and my elder Don and mentor have, a, have an ongoing joke. He has the Living Bible that he loves, and I have the New Living Bible. And I always say, I have the New Living because I'm younger, right? I'm newer. But there's a lot of living Bible today, Don, so you can open yours up. It's going to be pretty much word for word on a lot of this stuff. I hate divorce, says the Lord. Do you, I mean, shouldn't we like just close the book and dismiss? You would think that's all you need to do, right? I hate divorce. That's all I need to hear. I'm good. See, Siri agrees with me. I mean, seriously. There's some other things that the Bible says that God hates. Proverbs chapter 16 actually says a lot of, go ahead and put that, that list up there. He hates pride. He hates lying. He hates murderers. He hates plotting evil, eagerness to do wrong, a false witness, sowing discord among brothers, and divorce. That makes the list of all of these. Divorce is right there with murder. Y'all see that? These are the things that the Bible says God hates. So you can put divorce right here with every one of these false witness. For those of you that don't know what a false witness is, that's somebody that comes to you and says, God told me to tell you this, and it causes a problem, and God never told him that in the first place. That's a false witness. Somebody that looks at you, okay, this used to be a big deal back in the day, you know what I'm talking about, you know, those TV evangelists and so forth, because I'm not trying to hate on my brothers, but there's some of them that wasn't right, okay, and they really wanted your money, that's a false witness. That's what that is. You can put divorce right there with it. Y'all catching this? Do you see the seriousness of what God thinks of, of divorce? It's a huge problem. 
to be honest with you, there's probably more of this going on than there is any of that except for maybe pride. Pride's constant. We're always fighting pride, right? But I guarantee you divorce is happening more than all these other things. The word divorce means to separate, to dissolve, disconnect, disjoin, disunite, sever, most importantly, to divide. Again, Satan's number one job. Divide the household. Now that we know what God thinks about divorce let's move on to understanding the truly what truly is called biblical divorce but to understand divorce you need to understand marriage first there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what truly marriage like what true marriage what that is like biblical marriage what that is if they don't understand that how in the world are they going to understand divorce you see a lot of people think that marriage is oh i'm in love i found this beautiful woman that will put up with me and I'm going to marry her and we're going to have a lot of kids. We're going to raise a family. We're going to build a house. They think that's marriage. I got news for you. That's not even close. Marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant with the two spouses and God. A covenant. There's not anything else allowed in that covenant. Only you two and God. That's it. And let me tell you, what is a covenant? You know, that's what a lot of people want to know. Okay, well, kind of explain this covenant to me. I want you to understand that a covenant is kind of like a contract, but a marriage covenant is a legal relationship established by God, not man. God. A legal established relationship. I want you to think about this. When you get in that marriage stage and you're happy and you're all in love and everything's going the right way and you want God to marry you, right? But when things go south, you don't turn to God, you turn to some judge to end it. You've let man step in and take away what is God's. The biggest reason why you didn't go to God you're a coward. If you won't face God you're a coward. I'm not stepping on your toes. I'm aiming at your heart. There's only one judge, guys. Only one. We'll go to Mark 10, 9. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Why do you go to a judge? 
you see a lot of people will say this. They'll say, but Micah, and it tells you in the book that you're supposed to honor the governing authority. Listen, there's only one authority over the covenant of your marriage, and it is not some dang judge sitting behind his desk at the courthouse. There's only one judge. And that's who you better get the permission to get out of the covenant with. And we'll go over that. There are a few reasons. There's a few ways that God allows you to get out of that covenant. Only God himself can release you from his covenant. His covenant functions by his authority and his authority alone. So what happens if you illegally break one of God's covenants? Well, let's go look at Adam and Eve at Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will most certainly die. You're thinking, but Mike, I I had a divorce 10 years ago. I'm not dead. I'm sitting here right now. If you didn't do it properly, you are covenantly dead. And you still got time to fix it. You don't die physically. You die spiritually. On this day, that's when sin creeped in and humans started to die. If you break a covenant with God, this is an example of exactly what will happen. You're no longer in the good graces and the favor of the Lord. The good news is you can get back into it. But it's going to take a lot of repairing. It's going to take you swallowing a lot of pride. The best thing to do is just not put yourself in that situation. God's covenants are only exited by the penalty of death. Again, we're talking about death spiritually. We're talking about a covenantal death. Once you exit God's covenant illegally, you are, again, covenantly dead. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get a divorce illegally, you're not just divorcing your spouse. You're divorcing God's covenant. Keep that in mind. So what are the grounds of exiting God's covenant of marriage legally? I want to tell you guys a big reason why I'm preaching this sermon. We talked about Kyle last week. He's done a phenomenal job with us on, on social media and so forth. Our internet presence is, is, is great. Again, y'all give him another round of applause. Go ahead. Yeah, Phenomenal job. When we started the family series about five, six weeks ago, you know, we, we, we preached about how the family is supposed to be structured, how a marriage is supposed to be, and then we talked about how a husband's supposed to be, and we talked about how a wife is supposed to be. The messages and emails came pouring in from all over the country. I'm in an abusive relationship, should I stay? My husband literally gave me a black eye, I went to the priest at our church, and he tells me that I can't leave the marriage. That's a number. Church, come on, get it right. Get it right. Get it right. Okay, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I got got a little frustrated there. I I always get frustrated, man. But so many messages, rape involved, 
physical, mental, emotional abuse, a lot of adultery. A lot. That's the biggest one. And what's funny is it starts with that and then it turns into abuse. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this, this structure of how these spouses do that. So I wanted you all to know that's why this has come up in the last three weeks. And it has been a struggle to put this together. Not a struggle because he's given me everything. It's just been a struggle for me to drop my flesh and have boldness to speak it. There are four legal reasons why you can get a divorce. Why you can, there's four legal reasons that you can get out of this covenant of marriage from God. Four and four alone. If it's not one of these four, you can't do it. I'm going to repeat myself. If it's not one of these four, you cannot do it. I also want you to know that I sat down with and visited with all three elders before I preached this sermon and multiple pastors to make dang right that I had all of this scripturally perfect. And you say, well, Micah, do you not have confidence in yourself? I have a lot more confidence in those men with a lot more wisdom than I have. That's why I lean on them. Nothing wrong with that. I preached this last week when I was talking to the kids. You, you may have a lot of knowledge, but knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge. I had the knowledge, and I went to my elders and my mentors and these other pastors and said, now give me the wisdom to preach this. Thank God for those people. I applaud y'all. I love you to death. First reason. It's a simple one. Death. I know, so, I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. Some of you ladies, you're thinking, does that mean I can kill off my spouse? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Yeah, right? I'm more worried, yeah, I'm worried about Mama Denise getting you. You know, if, <laughs> yeah, there's only one time ever in my entire marriage that, that, I, that, I thought, that I thought for just a split second that, that, that I might kill Amanda, just, just for a split second. <laughs> I used to have... A 1999 Ford F-150 4x4 truck. That was my baby. Loved that truck. I literally drove that truck until it had like 300,000 miles and the, the whole front end went out. And it was going to cost me more to fix it than it was. So then I got a black Ford F-150. But anyway, my white Ford F-150. Loved this truck, man. Loved it. I was, I, was, I was cool, man. I was cool in this thing. Like I was, you know, when you grow up in Cass County, if you get a Ford, you got to have a 4x4 truck, by the way, in Cass County. If not, people really look down upon you. <laughs> yeah. Now that I live in Texas County, I, I drive a, my grandmother's old Lexus. That's why I don't go back to Cass County. <laughs> they frown upon that. Y'all are laughing, but I'm, I'm serious. So, so anyway, I got my truck, and, and, and by the way, I bought this truck, man. I was excited. My parents kind of, you know, they helped me get it, and, and they helped me get it started, but then I had to make all the payments and so forth. So, proud of my truck man I had it about a year walked outside one day I was working at the mall at a jewelry store in the mall and I walked outside and down the side was this scratch like that long like this long I gotta get in the camera view like this long right and it's this black scratch and I'm like man somebody sideswiped me in the parking lot 
So I'm over there, you know, spit shining, trying to get it off. Yeah, it ain't coming off. I was mad. And I was broke, so I couldn't fix it, you know. And, and so then I turned in an insurance, and I kept the money because I was broke, you know. Like, <laughs> I couldn't fix it, you know. Well, I was thinking about it. I wanted to get married, right? So I was trying to save up money for an engagement ring and so forth. So anyway, so years go by. Years. Three children. <laughs> One day, I'm sitting down, and I'm talking about my old truck. I can't remember who I was talking to, but Amanda was there. My amazing wife. And I'm mentioning that, and, and she looks at me, and she said, I, I got something to tell you. <laughs> I said, what's wrong, baby? I can tell something's up. She said, you remember Slotsky's in, in Atlanta? You remember how narrow that drive-through was? Mm hmm I did that to your truck. That warrior man was gone. <laughs> but I, I, I do distinctly remember looking at her, and I, I, I said this to her. I said, you, are, you better be so glad you're telling me that now after three kids. <laughs> it's been two kids. We... But three, I'm in this. I ain't got a chance, right? <laughs> Only time ever that I just barely felt like I might be a little upset. You know what I mean? Let's go to Romans chapter 7, verses 2. When a woman marries, excuse me, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. So again, death is one way out of it. Also, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. Okay, first of all, I want y'all to understand, I know that it's saying her, 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 but we're talking spouses here. Okay, same thing for the men. If the, if the woman passes away, same thing for you guys, right? But it also says, but only if he loves the Lord, or only if the other person loves the Lord. I want to point something out with that verse. I didn't even plan on talking about this, but guys, it is so important, especially you young people, uh, when you pick out who you are going to marry and so forth, it is so important that you pick out a believer. Pick out a believer. Okay, Not to say you can't marry one that's not, but the warning is, if not, there's going to be some struggles. Okay, But it's so much easier if you pick out a believer. And that's what God really wants. And the reason why he wants it that way is because he wants the marriage to start out properly, where both of you are on the same page and God is the center of the marriage. Right? Again, not saying that it can't get there, because I've seen it. I've seen it before, and it's a beautiful thing to watch somebody change somebody else, and they come together, and now God's in the center of that marriage. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I'm telling you, it's a struggle if you don't. Understood? Awesome. We'll move past that. That's a whole other sermon. whole other sermon. I don't want to get on that. Number two, the other reason that you can file for a legal biblical divorce from God, or for, towards God, towards whoever the spouse may be, is abandonment. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insist on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. For God has called you to live in 
É isso. I need you to understand, guys. You do not agree to file for an illegal divorce. If you know there are no grounds to exit the marriage covenant legally, you do not agree on the divorce. Don't let that sit on you. Don't do it. If you agree, you're just as guilty as the one that is pursuing it. Stand firm in your belief, guys. Let them be the one. At that point, if you notice, at that point, it says, wife who isn't believing insist on leaving him. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other. Okay, isn't a believer. But if the husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, when you've come to that point and you're breaking the marriage covenant and you have no grounds for it whatsoever and you have the knowledge of knowing that you're doing it wrong, again, Satan won the battle. The most important thing for the believing spouse that I'm telling you not to agree with this and not to sign off on these documents and so forth, you, make, you force them to do it because your relationship with God is a lot more important than your relationship with them. Stay in his favor. Don't break that covenant. Number three. Sexual immorality, adultery, affairs, cheating. That is the number three reason that you can walk away and get a divorce from God's marriage covenant. Matthew 19, 9. This is Jesus speaking, and I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Except for that. Fifty percent of divorces statistically are caused from proven, proven affairs. Notice I said proven. Think about how many have not been exposed yet. 50% proven. There's a lot more out there. These people, these other spouses, they think that they get away with this. They think they can fool you and trick you, manipulate you. And they think they get away with it. But I assure you, they can't hide that from God. They may can hide it from our eyes, but they cannot hide that from God. A biblical fact to back that up, Proverbs 15.3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Every step of the way. If you notice, it says the eyes of the Lord are 
everywhere. Even when you're somewhere that he doesn't want you to be and he doesn't want to be either. You also need to understand that all sin will be exposed. Luke chapter 21, verse 2 through 3, Jesus speaking again, there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in the ear in private rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. Amen. You know, when something happens to us, y'all got to bear with me. I got to mark these spots, man. I get in bad trouble. When something bad happens to us, you know, we, we always, our flesh wants to react and we want to go after that person. We want to hurt that person, right? Come on now. I'm not the only one in here that feels that way, right? Okay. The great thing is, is we don't have to do that. If we follow God's guidelines, and we just become the peacemaker, which sounds weak, but is so strong. Because when you become the peacemaker, you're sitting back, and instead of you trying to fix the situation, God will uncover it for you. Amen? He's a lot better at it than we are. You can hire every detective in the world that you want. You can do all that you want. But the thing is, is once you get to that point, and you realize that your spouse has been unfaithful, but you don't have that full proof, but you know it. And you want to get out there and you want to expose it. Don't worry about it. He's got it. Especially for people walking around that are anointed in the Spirit. They can feel it. They know. They know. They know what's going on. You can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool the Spirit in people. For those of you that might be sitting here, and maybe you have, maybe you're one of these people. Maybe you have done this and you think you've hidden it. Quit running from your sin. Face it like a Christian. No. If you're part of this church, you face it like a Christian warrior. Never face sin with fear. Always face it with faith. Okay, Micah, I've committed adultery, so now what do I do? Come to church next Sunday. And the Sunday after that, and the Sunday after that, and let's get you to where you need to be. Just because you struggle and you lost a battle doesn't mean, again, that you've lost the war. Let us help you win the war. Number four, this is the last reason, the only, like I said, only four, the last reason that you can get out of the marriage covenant of God is abuse. It's the last one. This consists of physical, emotional, verbal, and mental abuse. However, you ladies, be very careful with verbal abuse. Just because your husband said he didn't like the food doesn't mean you need to divorce him. <laughs> On a serious note, no one should ever stay in a marriage, guys, when you're being constantly abused. 
you know, obviously abuse, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that a woman cannot abuse a man, especially mentally or emotionally, that can happen. But most of the time, statistics show that it's usually the man that's abusive of the wife. Okay, again, I'm not, I'm not saying women can't now. Guys, don't come beat me up. But I do want to remind all of the men in here, the verse that is your command in a marriage is to love your wife the way that Christ loves the church. I said this a few weeks ago. If you do something wrong, you're part of the church. If you do something wrong, Jesus Christ is not going to come and beat you. He's not going to give you a black eye. He's not going to call you names. He's not going to do that to you. He's going to show you grace. He's going to show you mercy. He's going to love you. The minute that you abuse, you have exited that covenant. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. This is my biblical fact to back this up. You are not to keep company with anyone who claims to be a brother Christian, but indulges in sexual sins, or is greedy, or is a swindler, or worships idols, or is a drunkard, or abusive. Don't even eat lunch with such a person. Or abusive. Abuse, you can get out of it. Ladies, especially y'all that have messaged me, you have permission to get out of that marriage covenant with God. You have permission. It's biblical. Don't tolerate it. If it is continuing over and over and over again, get out. However, I want to explain to you guys the structure of how it should be. There is a way that you should get out of these marriages. But before I go further, I want to mention one more thing. Nick, pull that list up for me. No, I'm sorry. The four reasons. Thank you, sir. Legal reasons to exit God's marriage and covenant. This is what we went over. Death, abandonment, sexual immorality. Again, that's adultery affairs. And then abuse. Physical, emotional, mental abuse. It's not allowed, right? These four things. Do y'all notice that on this list, nothing about your happiness is on there? Do you notice that? Do you know why? If you entered a covenant with you and your wife and with God or you and your husband and God, at some point in time, you were happy. Somewhere along the way, you became unhappy. You know why? Because you got out of that covenant. The minute you step out of that covenant, you can be attacked in so many ways. You allowed yourself to get outside of God's favor of that marriage. Therefore, you're no longer in his favor. Therefore, you're no longer happy. If you're not happy, it's your own fault. You can get happy because you were happy. Y'all follow this? Yeah, your happiness doesn't matter. And here's another way that I can prove that to you guys. God sent his only son on this earth to die on the cross, right? For our sins, right? I think we can all agree with that. It's called the new 
covenant. So we're in a covenant with God in the new covenant, right? Do y'all think he likes everything we do? Do y'all think he's happy with everything we do? Did I make my point? I want to discuss now these steps of biblical divorce. Guys, I know I'm running a little long, but trust me, this is something that's got to be said. These are steps that I believe, I believe, this is not biblical. There is no biblical structure of how you're supposed to get a divorce. It's not in, this, it's not in the Word. It's not in this book anywhere, the exact layout of how to do it. So I need you all to understand something. When that situation occurs and I'm trying to teach something, I go to the Spirit. I go to the Word and I go to the Spirit. And I pray. And I, God, give me the direction of what you want people to go. This is what the Spirit showed me. Number one, if your spouse does any of these things, well, except death. If they're dead, they're gone, right? I mean, there's nothing you can do there. But if, if they abandon you, if they cheat on you, if they abuse you, the first time, one time, show forgiveness. I know it's hard. Show forgiveness. Now, it's a little tricky with this abusive one, right? I mean, obviously, they try to kill you. That's a different ball game. But if you marry someone and you know they were a great person when you married them, you know that they were a believer in Christ, and you know that God was centered in that marriage, and they stepped out of that covenant for just a little while, and they won't back in it, allow them back in it. It's hard. And it would be the hardest thing that you've ever had to do. But you let them back in. You show them grace and mercy. The first time. The second time. If it occurs again, obviously we got a problem. I need you all to understand that first time, this world is hard. It's hard. People are going to make mistakes. I think we can all agree on that. It's going to happen. So we should do our best to get that person back on track. That's your spouse. That's your loved one. That's in the covenant with you. You should do everything you can to help them get back on track. I want to explain myself. I want to make sure I'm making that point. But a second time, we got a problem. The second time that this occurs, you should have what I call constructive separation. In other words, you decide... You go to this spouse that may be cheating or whatever the situation may be or abusive, and you say, listen, I allowed you to do this once, and I forgave you. You've done it twice. I need you to know something. I love you. I don't want to divorce you yet, but we need to separate for a little while because this isn't healthy. Me being with you is not healthy. We need to separate so I can get healthy and you can figure out what your problem is. Understood? At that time, that's when you need to get the church involved. There needs to be counseling of some sort. Some sort of counseling. It could be with the pastor. It could be with mentors. It could be with elders. It could be with a marriage counseling couple that is set up in the church. It doesn't matter what it is, but you need to get the church involved at that point. If you think you need to get them involved in the first time, that's fine too. But by the second time, you better get the church involved involved God has put you in a church for a reason and it's not just for you to sit there and learn it's for you to be encouraged lifted up and struck and, and to help structure you along the way 
for the rest of your life on your walk. Allow the church to step in and help. And by the way, if you don't, if you don't seek the help of the church, you're already divided. You're already destroyed. You're beat. If you walk out on the marriage covenant without talking to the church, the pastor, elders, you're already in the wrong. And you know you're in the wrong. That's why you don't come to the church. That's a big problem. You need to admit your defeat at that point in time. Drop to your knees. Beg God for forgiveness, number one. And I need y'all to understand something. He's forgiven you. But you better be, you better have repentance. And I'm talking strong, on my knees, God. And I mean, you better have true repentance of where you're not going back to it again. And then get to the church. I'm going to tell you, if you'll walk out on a marriage before you talk to your pastor, one of two things has happened. Either number one, your pastor is a terrible pastor, and he's not teaching you these things, or you don't trust him, or you don't have a relationship with him, or number two, you already know you've done wrong. Number three, you go with forgiveness first, a separation second, a constructive separation, and then number three is divorce. Christian warriors, I need y'all to understand, you do everything you can before you get to step three. Everything. You better have peace before you get to step three. I need y'all to understand that. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to need some nodding heads or something in agreement. You make dang sure you have peace before you ever get to that D word. Understood? Amen. Thank you. Okay. But here's how you need to handle the divorce. Y'all heard me earlier. Don't go to a judge. The first place you need to go is to the church. Let the church be your court. Let the church tell you if you can legally, biblically get a divorce. Seriously. I'll even go as far to write a document out for you if that'll make you more comfortable. But you do not go to the judge first who cares what that judge has to say? That judge don't care nothing about you. That judge knows nothing about you. God knows every hair on your head. Come to the church. Let the pastor, the elders, sit down and be your jury and write you out a divorce agreement. But it better be biblical. I swear, if you walk in that door and you try to tell me you're unhappy, I'm fixing to just kick you right back out the door. Like, I don't care how happy you are. And don't come to me and tell me that your spouse is crazy because you know what? They were crazy when you married them. It's your own dang fault. You just now noticing how crazy they are. At some point in time, you should have realized that already, okay? And they weren't too crazy to get married and have kids and to build a house with and all those other things. So I don't want to hear that they're crazy and I sure as heck don't want to hear that I'm not happy because, number one, you started with I. And there is no I in that covenant. There's three people there. There's you, your wife, and God. Period. As soon as you say I, your pride has strept, it's, it's crept in. I'm done with you. I'm done. 
Like I will probably, I'm not exaggerating, if you walk into a meeting and I'm sitting there and, and it's me and it's Bojo and, and, and it's the elders and you walk in the door and you say, I'm not, I'm already out of my seat and I'm walking out the door. You're going to have to deal with them four and they're not as nice as I am. Don't come to me and say you're not happy. Don't come to me and say they're crazy. Amen? Amen. Thank you. They're not. I don't want to hear it at some point in time. And you know, that's another thing. I'm sorry. I'm really on this now. Okay. So there's sometimes that marriages occur. Sometimes marriages occur for another reason. It could be a child. It could be a different situation. I, I, I don't know. But sometimes that occurs and you make the decision to get married. I need to explain something to you guys. Biblical marriage. Okay, I need to make sure there's no young kids sitting in here right now that are going to hear this. I think we're good. We've got teenagers in here and we've got adults. I think the teenagers can hear this. And if your parents get mad at me, I apologize. Go to the elders, complain to them. Don't come to me. Biblical marriage. What is biblical marriage? When a husband leaves his mother and father and becomes one flesh with his wife. One flesh. That occurs in the bedroom. That's all I have to say. The minute that that happens, you're married. Regardless if you go through a ceremony, regardless if you go through going to the courthouse, it doesn't matter what you do. In God's eyes, the minute that you do that, you perform that act, you're married. So, if you get married because of a child, another situation that may occur through that, you were married before the child got there. Understood? I do want to say one more thing about that. I know that's hard in today's world because our world has made it so easy to do those things. They make it feel normal. They make it not a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Matter of fact, to all of us out there, there's probably a lot of us out there that did not wait until marriage to perform that act. I need y'all to understand something. That's where this whole God's going to judge you on the knowledge that you have comes in. Don't beat yourself up for things that you did in the past that you didn't know about. That's the church's fault. That's your parents' fault. If you did something, if you made this act before the act of true marriage, truly loving someone, really putting God in the center of a marriage. I need you to understand something. God forgives you for that. Start doing it right now. Amen? You need to go to the church and get the legal documentation from the church. And in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says to go to the righteous and not the unrighteous. I think I'm wording that correctly. 
pretty sure that's what it is. Go to the righteous, yes, and not the unrighteous. Again, I'm not hating on our judges, by the way. We've got some amazing judges. One of them's a good friend of mine. But what I'm trying to explain to you guys is, is that judge knows nothing about you that God knows about you. God knows every hair on your head. Go that direction. Go through the church. Get this biblical divorce done properly. I cannot stress that enough. Then go to the judge and get that part done. Okay? All right, guys, I want to end with who the divorce actually affects. Obviously, it affects you. It affects the spouse. It affects multiple families. It affects friends. I mean, if you think about it, you know, a couple gets divorced. They used to go out to eat with these friends all the time, and now it's like, well, who do we invite now? You know, which one do we invite? And usually it's the lady because your wife wins. I mean, usually that's what's going to happen. The church is affected. And believe it or not, your pastor is affected. Because I seem like I start to question myself. Am I not doing a good enough job of teaching and guiding and trying to, trying to disciple people where did I mess up? But most importantly, it affects your children. Make sure that if you go through a divorce, those kids need to understand that it's not their fault. And you need to, depending on their age, they're younger kids, you, you really do need to bring them to us and let us counsel them. Let us help them out through that process. Divorce should always be a last resort, guys. You should stay away from it as much as possible. You should do everything in your power. I think that divorce I think it's the I think it's probably the number one weapon that Satan uses against the church. Because the problem is if y'all heard me earlier say that 50% of you know marriages end in divorce, do you know what the percentage is in the church? 45. Basically the same. You would think we're stronger than that. I told y'all earlier that divorce affects a lot of people and it affects the pastor. I promise y'all, I, I really do. I try everything I can to keep anybody in this congregation from going down the wrong path. Y'all do me a favor. The, the, I can't help you if you don't come to me. I can't help you if you don't come to me. I can't. Just 
Give me a chance. Don't give up. And listen, after you come visit with me, and if you feel the same way, at least that'll give me some peace that I gave everything I had. I'm not trying, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting really personal and like this is all about me. It's not about me, it's about your family, it's about you two, the spouses, it's about your kids. But it does affect the church tremendously. It's a hit on the church. And we do everything we can to fight against Satan each and every day. Grab a pen and paper, we'll write this down. <clears throat> boy Cam McDuffie brought me another rainbow unicorn today. I already had one, but after this sermon, I'm going to need a pick-me-up, so I might drink that here in a minute. All right, Nick, go ahead. Never face sin with fear. Face sin with faith. The reason why I put that up here. If you... If you're trying to go through this whole divorce thing, if you're trying to get out of the marriage covenant... And if the reason why you're doing it is because you have committed one of these four things that, that give the other spouse the permission to get out of that marriage. And you just think, man, I've done too much. I've, I've messed up too bad. There's no way that he or she will take me back. That's called your pride. Your pride is what will keep you away from facing your sin. That's what keeps you facing it with fear. If you're in that situation of, man, my spouse would never forgive me, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Drop to your knees. Talk to God. Make sure that you've got it right with Him. And then have the faith that you, when you go face your spouse, that he's already prepared that person's heart. If you have faith in that, it'll work that way. You may not save that marriage because you may have done so much that you've messed it up so bad and there's no trust there anymore. And again, that other spouse has all the permission in the world to walk away. So you may not save your marriage, but what you do save is a relationship. And you also save a relationship with God because you gave it all you had to get it right.